Today with us we have Amin Nikfar, two-time Olympian from San Jose, California. Amin is also a national record holder for Iran and has coached some of the best throwers in the USA over a decade now. This is going to be a two-part series in which Amin will talk about his experiences as a college coach, how impactful coaches can be in athletes' life, his methodology and approach to training, and we also talk about recruiting, stress management, and many other things. If you are a high school athlete, stay tuned until the end to hear about what most coaches are looking for from a high school athlete and what are the things you can do to increase your chances of being recruited by some of the best schools out there. Let us know what you think. Take a second and leave us a review. It goes a long way in support of this type of podcast and enjoy. Yeah, we can start. We have a uh, mean Nick Fart here. I mean, how you doing? I'm I'm doing great, man. I'm I'm really excited to 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 get on a podcast with you. Um, we've we've done a few things like this before, but yeah. that was you know 2008 Olympic Games, 2012 yeah. Olympic Games. We did some videos for for our alma mater, yeah. and uh, just really really excited to get back in the in the mix on this kind of stuff. Yeah, it's been a while. This oh, man, I know you for so long. Um, that 2000 Olympics was incredible experience in terms of just seeing the level of athleticism and how not talented we were <laughs> oh yeah I, I mean bottom of the barrel unprepared, if we're being honest unprepared we were for just ill ill prepared <laughs> under talented and and just trying to make the best of it oh we had uh we, we, we did we did we did it good we did good 2012 was yeah. a, a little better and um, nah, I did I did about the same <laughs> I, did, I did about the same in 2012. <laughs> You know, but you know it was a long time coming, and it was a long time coming. You know, so just no, uh, excited, getting... just really excited and grateful for that those experiences, right? And then, and then being able to document a little bit for for the athletic department yeah. at Cal, and, and and have a good time making those videos. Oh, we learned a lot. Now, uh, what what do you think about Olympics in general? Are they overrated, underrated? Um. I don't, I, you know, I, I've never thought about it that way. I think, I think that like, you know, my, my experience with them is obviously, um, limited, you know, to, to the, to the two I went to and, mm-hmm. and the poor performances of both. Um, You're okay. You had a big foul. Oh, always the big foul. Yeah, always the big foul, foul man. Yeah. You know, I did great in warmups. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did great in warmups and had a big foul, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I think that, in terms of in terms of the experience, I mean, unparalleled experience, right? And and it, it lived up lived up to all the hype um, that that it had, and you know, just just really good really good opportunity to learn. And and I think for me specifically, it was it was a good opportunity to learn what kind of coach I wanted to be later. Yeah, you know, and and I didn't know that at the time. Didn't know that at the time yeah. at all. No, because you went. Um, so the one of the things I want to talk to you about definitely was. Your experience as a student athlete, you have a unique experience, right? So you were obviously something that they all have is being a high school athlete in U.S., right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So your high school experience, college experience, you went to one of the best academic schools in the country. Uh, you participated at the high level there. And then professional athlete, you obviously went to two Olympics, competed inter- internationally, which is a dream of every thrower, uh, basically, right, to compete internationally. So how, how do you... Um, some of your experiences, how different they are, how similar they are. From yeah, high school, college I, I, to professional. Sure, I, I think I think that, um, 
you know, one thing, one thing that made, made my experience from high school to college a, a little bit different maybe was, um, was kind of being stuck exactly between being a, a mid-major football player and being a, um, like a big, a big conference, like power five football player. Right. So I was stuck exactly in between. And so I got no, no recruiting anything from small schools for football. Oh, wow. Not one thing. And the bigger schools, I was, I was pretty deep on their, on their recruiting board. Yeah. yeah. And so I didn't get one offer from a big school. Right. right. So I got, I got offers to walk on at big schools Mm. and, and no offers from, from small schools because they all assumed that I was going to a big school. Oh, you you were in the gap. So I was just right exactly in the middle of it. And so the plan. You're neutral. I was, I was very neutral. (laughs) And, and so, so the plan, um, you know, my senior year of high school, the plan was to, to, to walk on and, and, and play football at a school that was, that was close to home. Mm. Um, and and then the opportunity to to throw at Cal came up, mm-hmm. um, and so the the coach from Cal, uh, Randy Zeraldo, yeah, he uh, yeah. he 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 called me up and and he and he's like, you know, I heard you're not going anywhere to play football. I was like, actually, coach, you know, I'm planning on going to Fresno yeah. State to walk on, and um, <clears throat> and he and he and he again said, I heard you're not going anywhere to play football. Oh, <laughs> and, and so. So, um, pretty much. Come yeah. On, yeah. Come he, on, he yeah. made, he made his point. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, he, he said, he, he asked me that, uh, he asked me if, you know, if, if there was an opportunity for me to come to Cal and throw, if I'd be interested. And I said, absolutely. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I would, I would, I would prefer the, the academics of, of oh, Cal, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. um, irrespective of the sport I played. Yeah. And so Zeraldo was the only person to recruit me for track. You know, I was a 57 foot high school glider with a 55 foot stand throw. Are you a glider? And and oh, so that'll man. that'll tell you a lot about my well, technical yeah, my yeah. Well, my technical prowess, <laughs> right? With the 55 foot stand glide, yeah. and a 57 <laughs> foot glide, um, and and so that 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 really opened a door for me. And and that door was initially opened by my high school coach, Mike Bunsick. Yeah, um, Mike. Who who is a legend? I'll throw. He's he's a, he's a He's a, a legend in the throwing world. He's you know 69 meter plus yeah. discus thrower, um, U.S. champ in '95, mm-hmm. '88, and '92 Olympian for the U.S. Mm-hmm. and uh, I believe former NCAA record holder, mm-hmm. SEC record holder, and um, he may still have the uh, the record at at University of Kentucky. I'm not sure. Okay. He he may not. I'm not sure. I'm sure Doug Reynolds, one of Doug Reynolds' guys, yeah. well, maybe threw further. Um, and so. So Bunsick was my high school coach, and he, you know, he advocated for me quite a bit to uh, Coach Zeraldo at, at Cal to to recruit me, and 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 that got me that got me the opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. That opened the door um, to get on campus at Cal, and you know, I think I spent my first semester um, worrying that that they were going to figure out that I wasn't supposed to be there, and they were going <laughs> to kick me out of school. <laughs> You're not a fit, huh? Yeah, you know, I was I was just I, I just kind of major major imposter syndrome my first semester oh, yeah. um and and you know it, it took a few years to, to to get past that and learn how to be a college student athlete yeah. you know and be learn at how a high, to, learn high how to yeah at a, at, a, at a very high academic institution um and and learn how to do that so um kind of took the took the hard road on yeah. that one well we talked <clears> about this earlier right about uh, disadvantages kids have in u.s and this is all over the world Obviously, you did well at Cal. Obviously, you had, you know, uh, further on, you got your master's degree. So you were a good, very good student. There was no, uh, 
there's there's uh, there's no argument that you would, did not belong there, right? Obviously, mm-hmm. you did well, uh, but like you say, first year you were overwhelmed, and uh, we talked about this uh, before the podcast. How how many kids out there that don't think they deserve to be at the school because they're growing up at the neighborhoods or areas that they don't have opportunities, and how many throwers and sprinters are there that they could be in a high D1 school and competing really well, but they don't, they don't think they can belong there. They can be sure, successful there. Sure. Yeah. And, and I think, I think, how did you go through there? Uh, that first year? What? Yeah. And, and I, some people give up. Like, sure. People transfer, sure. people leave school. Um, you know, my, my first three years in, in college were really, were really hard. You know, like I thought I, I thought I had it figured out and then the grades would come out and then I'm like, man, I, I, don't have it figured out, mm. you know, and then the next semester, oh, I got it all figured out. And then the grades come out and nah, I didn't have it figured out, <laughs> you know? And so, so six semesters of that, um, was, was really difficult. And, and, and after, you know, I, after my third year and that, that summer, I made a really conscious decision to be, to be a better student, to be a better yeah. athlete, to be a better person and, and to really figure it out. Yeah. Did you have a academic <clears throat> advisor that helped you? I did. Um, what was his name? He went to UGA. Um, was it Ted White. Ted White. That yep. Ted White. <laughs> um, yeah, he was my he was my academic advisor in the yeah. in the Cesar Chavez Center at Cal, and he's here right now. Yeah. It, here. Oh, is he here at yep. UGA? Yep. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, he helped us out with uh, quite a few athletes. Yeah. Um, no, I had a good academic advisor at Cal, at Georgia, when I was there first two mes- uh, two first years. Didn't have as many challenges as I did at Cal, and you're mm-hmm. definitely right. There's mm-hmm. it's get, trial by fire. Oh my God, you get you get struck. Mm-hmm. Uh, Melissa, she was my academic advisor, and uh, it, it it makes difference. Coaches, uh, I think you know we, we know this. We play a big role in our athlete development, not just uh, in terms of athletics, but also academics and in life in general. Melissa, she said, I she said, Martin. You just need to. We just need to figure out for you what's the best way for you to study, and mm-hmm. what's the best skills that you need to succeed here. Because I was overwhelmed. I told you statistics class. Yeah. I asked my uh, the, the the student that was sitting next to me, oh, how did you do this homework uh, uh, homework problem, and he just took his homework on the side like, no, this is the curved. Oh, uh, curved, grades oh, are curved. God. And I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. But he yeah. was competing against me, right, mm-hmm. for that grade. I'm like, yep. wow, I'm not. I'm I'm gonna fail, um, but sh- yeah, we we develop, developed some learning skills for me, and it's just yep. yeah, it took hard work. Yeah, and yeah. and I think and I think the uh, you know one of the takeaways from the academic side of it is the same takeaway as the athletic side of it, right? Like the good ones find a way. Yeah, you know, yeah. and yeah. whether whether it's it's figuring out you know what kind of support you have in and how to best use it, or if it's really just just buckling down and 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 finding a way. Yeah. Um, you know, if you don't have a lot of support, you know, you gotta, you gotta be able to do that, you know? So going from college, uh, to professional, how do you, and you have athletes, I have athletes that are going through this Mm -hmm. right now. How difficult was that? Those couple of years that you were trying to be a thrower uh, on an international scale, obviously you had, you know, two Olympics behind you, you made it, right? People want to be Olympians. That's like the main goal. Yeah. You made it twice. So it wasn't a fluke. How, um, but what I think people don't understand how difficult that can be. Yeah, it, it, extremely difficult, right? Because you know, and I and I joke that that you know I wasn't a professional athlete; I was a poor professional athlete, right? P O O R. 
And and so and, and again, like you know, not that I was one of the one of the good ones, but I found a way. You know, you find a way, and 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 you know, I worked at a high school. You know, I worked uh, you know worked in San Francisco um, on on the weekends, and mm-hmm. and and just just hustled, just support hustled. yourself, yeah. Nice. Yep. Um, and so I, I think that I, I probably worked more than I needed to. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't have a good balance between between work and training. Um, you know, there were there were times where where you know I'd I'd. <clears throat> You know, be be at the high school at seven seven thirty. Be done at two two thirty. Yeah. Go train at, at three thirty. Get ready for work again at 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 seven thirty, and then yeah. get home from work at at three thirty. Yeah. You know, and and just just a couple a couple two or three hour naps, uh. a couple times a day, right? Like I take you know two hour nap, three hour nap in the afternoon, take a three or four hour nap at night, and and start it all over again. So I, I think there was a smarter way to do that. Um, you know, maybe you throw further, maybe you don't, but you yeah. definitely have a better quality of life yeah. being, being smarter about it. Um, and so, you know, I really, I really feel for athletes that are going through stuff like that and trying to figure out how to support themselves. I also had, you know, good, good support from my family, at least, okay. you know, emotionally and, and financially yeah. at times also when I was living out of state. Um, and some athletes don't have that, right? Yeah. Some athletes don't have don't have that kind of support, um, even if it's even if it's just the emotional side, right? And then you know they they they're on their own, right? Like they're yeah. really on their own. And and I think, um, you know, coaches coaches like you and 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 I like to think coaches like me that you know and and there's a ton of other coaches that help mm-hmm. post collegiate athletes and and don't ask for much in return mm-hmm. other than other than a commitment. Um, you know, it's 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 tough for them. You know, it's it's really tough, and I really feel for them. There's no, there's no uh, sugar coating in it, right? Uh, Olympic dream or being just uh, living from athletics, it's, uh, it's re- extremely difficult. Any, any sport is extremely difficult. Uh, talent can get you so far, right? And then after that, you can be a talent. I always talk about this particular thrower. I'm not going to mention the name now. He was, guys, you can figure it out. He was world record holder at 17. He threw 65 meters in this case at 17. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everything was laid out for him, right? Mm-hmm. And things just didn't pan out. Like 65 with a 2K as a seven-year-old, mm-hmm. that is far. He made Olympic standard mm-hmm. uh, at 17. And then nothing's guaranteed, right? He can, mm-hmm. can turn so quickly. Yep. You can have an injury. You can sprain an ankle. Uh, your back blows up, right? You're, and I remember this uh, from Amin. Uh, we trained kind of at the same time on our own. And he would lift by himself. You would lift by yourself mm-hmm. a lot and yep. do the, the, the back, the jerks, yep. the 200 kilos yep. by yourself. Yep. And I mean, it sounds crazy because, yeah, you can get injured, but that's the little crazy that you need to push yourself to that next level, right? Like if you're not it, – it's you have to be a little bit brave, but you got to be a little smart too. Like some things obviously you can't do. Um, and you didn't get injured on your own, right? Yeah, no, well, and, and I think and I think that there's there's calculated risks you have yes, to take. Cal- right? that's what there's I mean, there's yeah, calculated yeah. risks you have to take. Because um, you had no doctor, you had no masseuse, you no, had no physio. No. You were training on your own. We, I, crazy I, hours, like, snapping even, two even, hours. Even even the, you were the I didn't even have a lacrosse injury. ball. <laughs> didn't even have a lacrosse ball, right? And not not because I couldn't afford one, but yeah. because I was I was too dumb to figure you out never, that soft you, tissue yeah. work mattered. Right, self-disciplined. <laughs> yeah, and, and so and so, you know, like, it, it, yes, yeah. You know, you, sometimes you just you got to figure it out, and 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 
you know, there's there's a lot to be said about working harder, but there's a lot, you know, even more to be said yeah. about working smarter. Yeah. Right. And and I think that you know, training by yourself, you know, in the you know, in a, in a, in a situation that's not ideal yeah. is, is almost compulsory yeah. if, if you want, if you want what you say you want, you know? Um, and I think that, that some athletes and, and first year out's really tough, right? First, yeah. first year out's tough. People say it's the hardest. Sometimes it, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think it's easy, um, to, to say, I want, I want to have some Olympic rings by my name. Right. Like, I think it's easy to say that, but you know, I th- it's much different once you, once you see what the reality of that is and, and being able to what persevere. Yeah. Being able to persevere through that and, and be, be resilient and be relentless and, 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 you know, really, really figure out how to get those Olympic rings by your name and, yeah. and, and seeing what the doors are that, that, that are a little bit open. Yeah. Right. Like if there's a door and it's a little bit open, you got to kick that thing down. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and just, like just bust through it. I like that. No, uh, I remember at uh, 24 hour gym, uh, next to your house, right. There's a 24 hour gym. Oh yeah. It was, yep. it was not the nicest gym, but it was open. It was open 24, 24 hours. hours a day. I remember I would call, I mean, and this is way from, uh, California, and he would go there sometimes, you know, 8 p.m., sometimes at midnight, sometimes in the morning at 8 a.m., mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. any any time of day that you could get a workout Absolutely. in. Absolutely, Absolutely. And that feel that you threw in, that's, mm-hmm. that's not a – guys, I don't know how to describe oh, this the, feel. Oh, the legendary Moffitt feel. <laughs> yes, Moffitt feel. Oh, I love Moffitt This field. is a NASA feel. When you when you hear it, it sounds amazing, but there's some incredible athletes trained there. Absolutely. Koji Murafushi, Nick Miller now, right? Yep, yep, Nick Miller trains there. Koji's trained there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike May from the WCAP program, mm. uh, he trained there. Um, you, you can still you can still go see Ed Burke there sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, the last American A standard glider, Tony Sylvester from the WCAP program, he trained there. Um, who else? Who else? I mean, there there have been, you know, Yuri would have camps there. Oh, that's right, that's right. Um, yeah. Well, Torre with his athletes, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, yep. Nick Miller now. Absolutely, oh. absolutely. It just showed you how how little you need sometimes, mm-hmm. um, but and, and it's it's a very very minimalist facility. Oh, yeah. um, you know, it's it's a ring in a field. Yep. And yeah. and if you if you're okay with being a creature of solitude, next to the next to the to the freeway, right? I mean, the freeway is very close. <laughs> it's very close. Um, and so if you can be if you're okay with being a creature of solitude, it's it's a pretty good situation. I. I cannot imagine that that place puts you into place. I remember Essan always uh, joking with you. I mean, why are you throwing a highway? Yeah. Why are you throwing the highway? Are you training in the middle this of is, the freeway? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. I this am actually. Literally, if you you don't you don't see this from videos, um, obviously because they're facing the way you're throwing. But if you point it backwards, the freeway was like 20 mm-hmm. yards. Maybe those videos are sometimes taken from the shoulder of, of the 101. <laughs> Oh my God! No, I remember first time going there with you. I'm like, this is why yeah. we. Where mm-hmm. do we park? Right in the mm-hmm. mi- middle of yep. the freeway. Yeah, a, um, a lot of very good hammer throwers and yeah. and some pretty good yeah. shot putters yeah. have have trained there. Oh, the whole area, of San Jose, right? Back mm-hmm. in the 80s and 90s, um, Mac Wilkins, right? All those guys yep. used to come. Mac there, Wilkins was there. Al Fierbach is still in the area. Um, you know, my, my high school coach, Mike Bunsick, um, you know, the legendary uh, Ron McKee, yeah, yeah. Uh, Rob Souflon, Rob. Uh, Greg Tafferales, um, I think John Powell was there for a while, yeah. Wolfgang Schmidt was there for a while, mm. um, and, and it was it was a hotbed. Mm. It was a hotbed for throwing. 
yeah. and some of those guys are still around. And I think, you know, doing our best to preserve the the throws history that that the that the that the South Bay has, mm. you know, the whole Bay Area, but 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 because oh, I'm from California, the South Bay, yeah, you know, yeah. like like what the South Bay has, like being yeah. able to preserve that history is important. Uh, incredible California throwers. I mean, this is if you look as back as. as, as Early as seventies and eighties, right? People came, and obviously Wolfgang Schmidt, right? He came mm-hmm. all the way from Germany, right? East mm-hmm. Germany to California to train with Mac, because uh, that was promised land, right? San Jose and the whole California area, Salinas. Oh my God! Oh yeah, there. Wolfgang driving his Cadillac around, mm-hmm. you know, maybe eight, seven, eight miles per gallon, <laughs> um, just just whipping that thing around yeah. San Jose and. We say every Salinas. other every other uh, gas station. My gas station. My gas station. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's it's something in a community there. And I remember Rob, right? He's always enthusiastic about Mm -hmm. talking about throwing and all those guys from that area. And uh, from all over the world, like I said, people know. And now there's a lot of those throwers who are coaches now in California. California has a lot of good throwing kids. Yep. Well, and and so one of the the just just really awesome things that happened to me as a post-collegiate thrower, um, you know, I, I had... You know, I was a year or two removed from grad school in Flagstaff, mm-hmm. and my my college or my uh, post collegiate coach Mo Satara was yeah. at Michigan, and and so I was training in the Bay Area, um, and and so I called Ron McKee, I'm like Ron, you got time to come throw with me, and he's like, ah, you know, I don't, but I can I can link you up with this guy Rob Souflon, and he's like, do you know who Rob is? I was like, I absolutely know who Rob <laughs> Souflon is. You know where where is he, and how do I hang out with yeah, him? Yeah. Right, and so he. He hooked me up with 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 Rob Souflon in Redwood City, and Rob just yeah. with open arms, right? Yeah, just just totally yeah. open arms, yeah. um, welcomed me into his gym. Yeah. You know, took me took me to the high school that 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 is his alma mater, Wood, Woodside High School. Oh, is it? Took me over there to throw with him, um, and whether he was throwing a five k, six k, bocce ball, whatever, like he'd That's always awesome. jump in the ring and oh just be gosh. be super supportive. I mean. When we were when we were preparing for uh, for for Daegu, you know, I was doing stuff, mm. you know, coaching kind of over the internet and phone calls mm. with with uh, with Mo Satara, and you know, I'd go throw with Souflon, and Souflon, you know, his his whole thing was he's like, hey, whatever you and Mo are working on, I want to be supportive, yeah. but I also, you know, I know stuff about the sport yeah. that be, because feet, yeah, he's a seventy foot shot putter, yeah, right? Yeah. So he knows stuff about the sport, yeah. and I mean, th- he's. He is a crazy man, right? I mean, the, the guy, the guy, quite literally wanted to set the ring on fire so I would be prepared for any situation. Oh my god, that's awesome! Um, <laughs> and and just just the attitude and intensity that that guy brought to a training yeah. session was absolutely incredible. Oh, that's so absolutely important. Incredible. That's so important. That's so important to have somebody, and and you see this as an athlete how much you miss it when you don't have it. Is somebody. The, next to you, who is enthusiastic about you, what you're doing, it fuels you up so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. And for a thrower to be a good thrower, you ha- you, you can't have a one practice, two practices. It's a whole year of practicing, right? Mm-hmm. So when you have, you know, 50, 20, 100 extra practices like that, that makes such a difference. Absolutely. When you have somebody like that, yeah, just cheering for you. Just yeah, and, you. and and like I said, and just honestly, the, yeah, <laughs> and and very genuine about yeah, it, right? Yeah. I mean, the guy. The guy never had to come to a session with me. He never had to yeah. open his. There's nothing to me. in for him. Yeah. No, no. He just he wanted to be supportive of somebody who was going through struggles that he had gone through. Yeah. You know, and and that's the kind of coach I want to be, and that's the kind of coach you want to be, and that's yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. kind of coach that 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 we're talking to yeah, right now, yeah. right? And 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 even the athletes out there, like this is the this is the kind of thing that 
that is good for the sport, right? Yeah, like I think yeah, we yeah. we as as throws people do a really good job of complaining about what we don't have. Yeah, yeah. This is something that we can absolutely change and make a difference on. Oh my god! And, and we're talking about things that can help us, us, and this whole sport is things like that. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, okay, and there's sports that make money, uh, and there's sports that make people better people, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, all sports make people better people, I would say, in general, because you have to go through similar star- struggles. But this throwing and athletics in, in general, individual sports, you really have to want it, right? Like, you, you, you mm-hmm. have to have uh, love that um, sport. You have to love that event. And you have to work hard, and you have to have a support system. People who went through that, they can tell you, and not just to be successful in this sport, but be successful in life. You're going to have life issues. You're going to have to move. Your parents are going to get old and sick. I mean, you're going to get uh, – life gets way harder uh, than just throwing, right? And when you when – you, but when you experience these things along the way mm-hmm. and you see how important that is, how important that support is, you can make somebody's life so much easier. So much easier, but just – like you said, being there genuinely, like, hey, you can do this. Like, yeah. oh, let's let's mm-hmm. figure out what what we can do better. In in the in the in the thing, and I think the thing that gets lost sometimes is this stuff has nothing to do with technique. Yeah, it yeah. has nothing to do with technique. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, it, it doesn't mean that it teaches you life. Yeah. yeah it, it it doesn't mean that you know it, Rob was at a session with me trying to tell me to do different stuff than than my coach was. No, yeah. he wasn't doing that at all. He was being supportive of the mission. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. he was being supportive of what we were trying to do, um, be, because. That you know that's that's his that was his yeah. way of giving back and he, yeah. he still does that he still does that with with a, any athlete that comes around he'll yeah. you know he's supportive of them. No, it, it's the benef- the blessing of this sport is having those people around, and it's like a it's like a brotherhood right sisterhood just community of of throwers you know when you go to New Zealand or you go to uh, Germany or you go to South South America right people who are thrower. You instantly click with them because you know what they're going through, their mm-hmm. struggles, right? Like, oh, you know, what what do you do to uh, um, uh, tape your wrist, right? Like, there's so many subjects you can talk about right away. And track and field is international sports; it's international sport in every country, right? And you get connected with all these people that you wouldn't otherwise, right? And, and I think well, it's also important to have some perspective too, right? Because you know, as, as a collegiate athlete, yes, there there are hard things, there are challenges. Yeah. As a post collegiate, yes, there are hard things, there are challenges. But there's also a, a number of examples of of people breaking through that stuff, right? Like, yeah. I mean, there was a story about Alekna, um, you know, back when when you know he was he was probably working on his third or, or fourth Olympic Olympic gold, right? <laughs> like he was he was working towards trying to get that, and. He goes out to his field, and they just had a dog show the day before, so his entire field is covered in, in dog yeah, poop, yeah. right? And that that's an Olympic champion. Yeah. Olympic champion. His whole field is covered in dog feces, right? Yeah. So you got, okay, get a towel. Yeah. Right? Like, Let's what are you going to do about it? Yeah. What are you going to do about it? It teaches <laughs> you know? your life. I mean, it teaches your life. Um, it's it's the struggle that is, uh, that is the reward of this sport. The biggest reward of this sport is not winning Olympics, not being NCHM, being Olympian. But learning how to deal with obstacles, learning how to support, how much support means to other people, how much it means to you, and how to deal with, with life problems, right? Absolutely. Um, life becomes easier, and like we talked about, right? It gets so so crazy sometimes. Uh, but going through this and having that those struggles with people who who can uh, relate, it's something special that you know. And I think that's why all the um, Combat sports, uh, you know, individual sports, mm-hmm. cycling community, right? They're very close. Uh, all these, the struggle brings you together, right? Yeah, nothing, absolutely. Nothing and, and especially now, 
especially yes. now, right? With 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 everything that's going on in the world with coronavirus yeah. and and all that, like this is I'm such a good you. opportunity to be supportive of each other, yeah. right? And 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 help each other and help the sport and and help your community and help people around you yeah. and and yeah. and just such a good opportunity for all that. Yeah, no, it's definitely time to emphasize these. Um, great things like you said that we have mm-hmm. other uh, uh more than the things we don't have because you can go down the list of what we don't have forever right there's so many things it can be better uh in terms of equipment in terms of i don't know financial aid uh, but these things that we do have are very special and especially at times like this like we don't know when the season's going to start again we don't know what's going to happen with this and when right when it's going to end it's going to end at some point sure but in this uncertainty is just uh, yeah, really important to be supportive of each other. Um, that support is, is it, it can't be put a number. Like you know, this as a have you know having a good coach and having a bad coach. How what difference makes in your Absolutely. life? Absolutely. Um, and it's similar with 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 having people around you that support you. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, we're, we're social animals. Like we need groups of people. You know, and I and I bet you have a pretty unique perspective on 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 developing as a young athlete in a, in a country that may not have had, yeah. had the ability to support you yeah. in, in the best way. Right. And it's, it's, um, no, it's, you can't put it in numbers. How, along with that, obviously you grew up in, uh, you know, California, very diverse state, but traveling around the world, seeing how people, you know, one thing is being in a culture, in the U.S. and one one thing is being in the culture outside, sure. internationally. How did that change your perspective? You know, yeah, some so, experience because you travel all around. Absolutely. The world. So so be, because of the opportunities that I had um, throwing for for Iran, um, I was able to travel to a, a few countries that that I probably would have never been to otherwise. Yeah. That that absolutely changed my perspective on the world. Yeah. Um, I think two of the bigger ones were 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 Vietnam and India. Okay, um, okay. So we we went to India before the Commonwealth Games for basically a test meet. They called it they called it like the Asian All Star Meet, right? So it was okay. a test a test meet for the Commonwealth Games. Okay, okay. And India, I'm sorry, uh, Vietnam was the indoor Asian Games, uh-huh. and and both of those experience both of those experiences, you you really see what poverty is, yeah. right? Yeah. Like poverty is very real, and 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 seeing seeing how people that live in poverty live day to day um in countries like that as an outsider like it's easy to gloss over it and like go to the nice places and do all that but like spend some time right like when you're in a situation that can change your perspective on the world spend some time watching yeah right take your headphones off yeah take your headphones off take your sunglasses off and and take it in soak it all in because you you'll come out the other side with with a new perspective that you would have never gained otherwise yeah yeah no that's one, one one of the things that i that changed my whole perspective on life was the travel, me, getting into those different communities. U.S. is just a pot of, amazing pot of, of so many <clears> different <throat> cultures. And like I said, when you really go into the, I've never been to Vietnam, India. I just, I can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first time I really experienced, uh, well, first time I had a connection or a contact with severe poverty, Croatia is not a, uh, uh, it's not a third world country, but it's not West either, right? So it's kind of sure. middle. When we went to China the first mm-hmm. time, so when we took a cab to go, uh, and your brother, I remember saying like, no, take us 
to heart. Like, don't take us, you know, uh, just to, you know, we, we, do, we did go to Great uh, Wall, but like, take us to the, to the countryside. Like, we don't have to get mm-hmm. out. Oh, like, oh my God, I'm so blessed. Mm-hmm. This, it changed yep. my perspective so quickly. I was yep. so appreciative. Not that I was underappreciating what I had at the time, but man, when you see millions of people in what they don't have and we, we take it for granted, it's, and, it's, and they're uh, still they're still making it work, right? Yeah. There's still you know yeah. so many of them still still live a pretty yeah. good a pretty good existence, yeah. right? Because you know they they'll they'll find fulfillment in their family, yeah. they'll find fulfillment in their work, they'll find fulfillment in in all these other ways that I think I think we gloss over sometimes. Yeah. Uh, it's it's uh, it can be heartbreaking. It can be a great lesson. Um, that's why we're so happy to be throws coaches in the U.S., aren't we? <laughs> Oh my God, we we get to do what we love for a living. Right. They pay us for this. I can't believe it. They pay us for this, right? In 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 being able to 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 work outside and mm. being able to work with athletes that that are motivated yeah. and being able to, you know, just just spend spend time doing what we love is yeah. just it, it's it's incredible. Not not many people get that opportunity. Yeah, I can't believe. Yeah, like you say, I can't believe they pay us to do this. This is like, this was our. Obviously, career hobby kind of on the side where we were trying to figure out, okay, if I don't throw far, what would I do, right? Yeah. And then we end up being coaches like, oh, okay, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, it's unique. What we have in U.S. NCA system, it's a really unique system. You don't see that um, anywhere in the world. Now, U.S. system has a lot of things that it can get better in terms of track and field post-collegiately, right? But collegially, this is there's nothing like this. There's... Military service, police, kind of mm-hmm. in Germany and uh, Poland, right? They have those clubs that can support you, but nothing like this. This sure. is this is a great, great middle middle time between eighteen and 22, 23, 24 or, mm-hmm. or more, depending where you go to school when you graduate. Um, <laughs> but th- this is the time that you grow, and you really don't have so much time to to figure out how far you can throw, right? Uh, in in other countries. They they have opportunities that are better. They have stipends. They have clubs that can take care of you that you you U.S. doesn't have right now. Uh, but we still, like I said, you get to go to college and see how far you can throw at the same time. That there is no scholarship in Croatia for throwing. There's mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. no, NCAA it's, system. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. So so tell me tell me a little bit about tell me a little bit about what what brought you here, right? Like obviously it was throwing mm-hmm. in education. Um, you know. I, I've actually never talked to you about this. You know, I'm, I'm interested, like what, you know, what were the big drivers? What, you know, what was the goal after finishing college here? And then how did that change? That's a a good question. Well, while I was a Cal, right. As an undergraduate student, you, you don't figure out, some people figure out what they want to do when they're six years old, right? Like I want to be a doctor. And like, I, I wasn't one of those people. Right. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life when I grew up. It was a pilot for a little bit, and I wanted to be a basketball player when I was in high school. Then I'd go into track. Like, okay, I guess I'm going to do track. Um, I knew I loved throwing. I loved throwing since the first time I, I got to throw in the eighth grade. And, you know, I was fairly successful in it. Got some opportunities in the U.S., ended up in Georgia, transferring to Cal. And, and really at Cal, it was when I started thinking about what I want to do. What, what should I do, right? Because unless you're Olympic champion, let's be honest, in our sports, like we talked about, there's so great, so many great things. Making money is is really rare, right? Even in throwing, uh, even in sprinting, right? So the sprinters, if you're top 10, top 20, you can make a living. You can you can uh, you know live from that. Um, but really, it's really hard to 
earn enough for the whole life. It's not like, okay, Nike gave me a contract for $8 million, right? So there, there could be a couple of sprinters, and that's it. Um, so I always had in the back of my mind, well, if throwing doesn't work out, what I'm going to be, right? I wanted to be a politician yep. <laughs> back in Croatia. Um, and uh, political economy, that was my major at Cal. And after that, after I graduated, I had a couple of years of training at Bay Area, you and I, and uh, I was up in Portland for a year with Mac, Mac Mookins, and we were doing okay. We, were, we, made, we made the second Olympics, you and I, but um, coaching was always, always, well, throwing was always my passion, right? Well, always, since the first time I threw. Um, An opportunity came here at UVA um, to be a coach. There was a couple, couple of jobs opened up in US that year, and I made myself a promise if I don't make an Olympic final, uh, that that's going to be it for a track and field, right? Because I was 27 at the time, you know, turning 28. So if I'm not competing to make money, that will be that will be it. And there's uh, it's just blessing. A couple of opportunities open up here. UVA uh, opened up the door uh, for me. I came here as a grad student first. That was because of my visa. And because it was so similar to Cal, I think I, f- I felt more at home uh, than I thought I would be at first. Because you think of Virginia, it's not like you're thinking about, you know, surfing <laughs> or, you know, good music, <laughs> whatever, right? <laughs> Amazing food. But uh, Charlottesville is really a little different uh, in that it's very diverse. I felt at home. There was a couple of Croatians, a lot of international students. And I just got lucky. I had an incredible athlete that came in my second year here, Philip, And I loved throwing uh, i love uh, seeing him throw far and with that i just i wasn't married didn't have a girlfriend at the time i spent basically my whole time during the day here in that office i was studying and you loved every minute of it oh didn't you? i was loving it like a single guy learning about throwing it, it's not that there was not rough times um but it just i i, I got i gotta say i got a little lucky um and it helped that i had that still i was young enough to manage to be here for 12 or more hours, uh, recruiting, I recruited heavily, um, and results came. Um, now, when I say you got lucky, I got lucky, because there are so many coaches out there who are great, there are so many coaches there who are not great, you know, to say the least, and that sometimes they don't get, get a break until way later, right? You and I had NCAA champs, you know, sure. <laughs> very early. Yeah. Um, some coaches coach their whole life, they don't get ACA mm-hmm. champs, right? So you have to get a little bit lucky, but that little luck doesn't come unless you work hard, right? Uh, either, but then you can't, you got to appreciate what you get. And I got blessed and just amazing. Yeah, we, we, we rolled it from there. Um, and eight years here, right? Uh, on and off, they went really fast. Um, so it, it's, yeah, it's been a blessing so far. I love it and I can't, <coughs> I hate when coaches. This is this is this is my uh, my thing. Sometimes we had incredible success here at right? UVA. We had some incredible throwers. Um, I would say some of the best in in, in NCAs ever, right? And it's not they made me a better coach. I if I think if I help them a little bit in some things, that's amazing. I don't like seeing coaches taking all the credit for what they do with their athletes. Um, because, yes, you do help them, but let's be honest. If they were not talented, especially at this level, we get them from high school coaches. We get them from their parents. We get them from somebody who already built them up for us to 
not screw them up, right? So if you don't screw them up, you did a great job. I think a lot of coaches um, just, you know, pound their chest. And, uh, you know, there's there's few that come to my mind right now. But um, uh, I think that's the wrong way to go about it. Because I, like I said, I go lucky here. I love it. And it seems like all we're getting so many, many uh, blessings here. Um, and that's what made me stay. It's just... It's like uh, we found a spring. <laughs> I want to yeah. be around this spring, right? So, so this is this is something I've been I've been wanting to ask you for a while too. How does how does a class like that all show up at the same time, right? Like like yeah. the timing of that, right? Between between Philip and Jordan yeah. and Pobo and Hilmar, and, yeah. and Hilmar, like and, and having them at the same time, right? Yeah. Because there's there's a few examples of that in in more recent NCAA history, yeah. but it's it's still very rare. Yeah. So how did how did that come together? Uh, it, 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 it's a surreal. It's surreal that, and okay, well, the way we train is the way I train is how I train with Mac Wilkins, how I train uh, back home. So, so training. This is what what I think it culminated to all this. Uh, how small the track field world is. Like I said, you meet so many people from around the world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, obviously, I trained back home in Croatia. We had Germans come in. We had Hungarians. We had uh, British people come in to train, Italians. So we had all these coaches from around the world, right? Uh, Sweden, too. Uh, a lot of training camps, they come because of Croatia has a good weather. So in all the winter, they come down to Croatia. So I met a lot of Swedish. And, and with that, you know, I met coach from... Um, uh, Estonians come right. We had a cup there, so I met Northern Europe coaches. Vestin was one of them, right? Hilmar's coach. Um, I get to hang out with Cantor. It was, uh, I, I was still a baby. I was so happy to get, hang out with him, right? So, but I met these coaches, right? Um, and then, uh, and now Mike Mac Wilkins. Mike Wilkins knew everybody, right? He knows the whole world, right? Uh, when Philip came, so like I said, Philip was the first one to come here uh, in 2014. He was always an incredible athlete, right? And he's very social. Obviously, he likes to talk to people, right? They, they talked about him. So you kind of know what's going on, where it's going on, where, where's the good vibe. Uh, when Jordan Young came, so Jordan Young and Pobo at the same time, they were watching Philip. Uh, Jordan always to train with Joe Newell and with Jason Tunks. I knew Jason Tunks. Uh, uh, he was at Georgia when I was at Georgia just the year before. So I always contact him. Hey, what's your bench press? He was like, 800 pounds. I'm like, oh man, I can't do that. <laughs> so, so I got to know him. Always to John. We went to school together. Uh, to be honest, UVA was not first choice for Jordan, right? Um, so he was looking to transfer from Arizona. And since I knew John uh, Newell, I knew Jason Tunks, and uh, they put a good word for UVA. And like, hey, Martin will take care of like you know. There's Philip there. You're gonna have a good training partner. Right? Martin will take care of you. Um, and luckily, that's all he needed. Like you know, okay, I, I need to be in a good good environment, right? So he comes. Pobo is looking for a good academic school, and he's looking for a good throwing program. So right now we have Philip, and he's looking for a good program. He contacts us. He's like, hey, I'm a first year here. This is my video. I want to transfer. This is my uh, re- release letter. And I'm looking at this video. I'm like, you threw 17. I mean, this is Pobo. If you haven't seen him, he's six three and he's strong, right? And he's he can move. And I'm looking at this this kid. I'm like, you throw seventeen? Like, oh yeah, we have a spot for you, <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely, we have a spot for you. Uh, so, like I said, it was lucky. We were lucky to get that at the same time. And then Hilmar is looking for a school. 
Philip and I go to train. Um, uh, we go to uh, European. We went to train in Croatia. Uh, he went to European Championships, and Hilmar was competing there uh, at the, uh, in Sto Estonia, right? Uh, so Gear Conter was there. He saw Philip. He's like, "Hey, you know this this kid in Iceland is looking for a school." Um, I see you throwing well. How's your coach over there? You know, Martin. Oh, I know Martin. Okay, so he he talked to his coach. And he's like, hey, there's there's a good school. There's a couple of Europeans there. Um, check if UVA has a spot, right? And Hilmar calls us. He's like, hey, coach, you know, I'm looking for uh, school in US. I'm like, how far do you throw? 68. Yeah, yeah. I think I think yeah, we, we have might, a spot we for might, you. We might have a spot <laughs> for you. Huh? Have a spot for you. Yeah. Uh, so, like I said, with all these, it's just a miracle <clears throat> that they came up here at the same time. So Paul Boy's here. Philip is here, Jordan, um, and then we get Natsa Pleško from Slovenia. So it's just kind of a similar thing. Incredible, an incredible teammate. Obviously, a very good athlete too. He was scored 11 points in the conference. Uh, so you have these four guys, and this is what I said: how important is the support system? I was, I was always, I was telling them, I'm so jealous. I'm not on the team. Like you, you guys are here at the same time. I never had this team, and there were, there were feeding off of each other. In a weight room at the field, Philip and Jordan always competed, and Bobo, right, in the shot put. Hilmar, he wanted to beat a slang record. Um, I was lucky to have a friend from Croatia that was very good hammer thrower, four-time NCAA champion, Andras Haklic. He was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, he was pretty good. <laughs> Five Olympics, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so Andras helped us a lot. Uh, he was volunteer coach here. He wanted to uh, participate as well uh, in, in, in all this and help us with, with Hilmar. And it just it blew up. Yeah, we never like I said, it was it was luck. Uh, it was passion. I think I think it didn't hurt that I liked to hang out with those people, uh, and I was always uh, amazed by, by their coaches, right? Um, and I'm not like I said, I hate when people take credit for it. And I will always, always think that they were the best team in NCAA ever. To compete like that and to score as many points as they did, right? That was great. UCLA had an amazing team. Uh, SMU had an amazing team. Um, you would never see, uh, you would never hear Art Venegas say that when he trained Joe Kovac, right? That Ryan Krause is better, right? At the time, right? Mm -hmm. He pumped up his athletes all the time, and I think for a reason he was always on their uh, on their team, right? I think that was the greatest team ever. I I'm so happy that I was part of it. Like that, that they allowed me to coach them. Now that Absolutely. I coach them. Well, and it, and it seems it seems like, like you know, a little bit of luck, a little bit of timing, but but it really seems like the theme the theme is leveraging relationships that you made while you were an athlete. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I and I think that that's something that that oftentimes goes goes unseen is 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 the relationship aspect of yeah. it. You know, like whether whether you're a student athlete in the NCAA system or an athlete, you know, in the European system or or another system, you know, and in you know it, meeting people, meeting people, and 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 being able to leverage those relationships later, yeah. is is important, right? Yeah. Because had you not met some of those people, right? Had you not met some of those people yeah. along the way, you wouldn't have had the same phone calls with them as you yeah. did. Yeah, and it's it's same with you, right? Um, you come to programs and you, well, I, I want to argue that you turn them around. Right, they you have you have this enthusiasm in you. Like, how did you you have you know you have multiple national champions right away, right? Like you turn people around, they throw PRs. I remember that kid you had in javelin. What was it how many? Gennard. How Gennard many Paul. meters? Sixteen meter PR. 
Jalesny never did oh, that. Oh my goodness. So so you know, I, I, I appreciate the, the compliment about that. Um but but I also like, you know, I the the year before I got to Southeastern, mm. um, they scored I think 93 or 95 points at the conference meet in the throws oh with probably six guys, wow. you know, and, and many of them, you know, I, I'd say maybe half of them had finished up. Yeah. So it, you know, it, it's not like I've walked into programs that were, but the coverage were bare. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I really pride myself on people performing at championship meets, you yeah. know, and yeah. preparing to perform at championship meets, yeah. you know, and that doesn't mean that we take smaller meets less seriously. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if our job is to perform at the conference meet, the regional meet, and or the national meet, like those are the meets that we we have yeah. to do well at, yeah. and and really spending the entire training year preparing yeah. for that, right? Um, you know, one of the things that um, that that Don Babbitt talks about is is the intersection of of the physical peak and the emotional peak, yeah. right? And if you can get those to intersect on the right day, yeah. that's where the magic happens. Yeah, and and so spending a lot of time preparing preparing for that intersection yeah. and preparing the athletes for that intersection to happen on the day that we want it to. Yeah. How, how much is it important to be, to know your athletes? Well, how much do you, do you need to know your athletes to be able to, uh, to do what you did with, with so many, right? With Alex, he was NCAA champ through 76. What's he through right now? Uh, 76. Yeah. I, I, 76, yeah. 30, maybe. I, I don't remember exactly the centimeters, but so yeah, yeah huge throws. Mm-hmm. Um, Stanford obviously had an incredible one, two in javelin, right? Um, what do you think is important for that? Because I, a lot of, a lot of times you'll see these ranked number one, two, threes, right? And NCA, sure. they come to NCA, sure, it doesn't, it doesn't pan out, like sure. That. And, and, and so I, I think it all goes back. Not to, to ask you your secret, but how no, really? and, and I, no, I'm 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 very open about about everything, right? Yeah. Because I don't I don't believe in, and people have heard me say this in in talks and in in social situations. This the, the secret isn't the training, mm-hmm. the secret is not the training. The the secret is the day to day. Yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. something that that I can't, I can't replicate your version of that, and you can't replicate my yeah. version of that, and and neither of us can repu- replicate, you know. John Smith, Don Babbitt, mm. uh, John Newell, John Frazier, we yeah. can't replicate their day-to-day, yeah. right? So I, I think training matters, but I also don't think that's the secret. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the secret, if there is one, and, it, and, it's, and it's wide out, it's, it's, wide, it's in the wide open, mm-hmm. right? It's out in the open, um, and, and it's hiding in plain sight. The secret is trust, yeah. right? Yeah. The secret yes. is, is yes. the day-to-day relationship. The secret is trust. Yeah. And the the more an athlete can trust me and the more I can trust an athlete, the better we're going to get. Um, and so, you know, with, whether it's it's Alex Young's development at, at Southeastern and, and after or going, you know, 1-4 in the javelin at Stanford mm-hmm. or um, or Jannard Paul PRing by 16 meters from yeah. 60, a 61-meter javelin thrower to a 77-80 javelin yeah. thrower – at his first throw of the conference championship, yeah, it, it's it's it really comes back to the day to day relationship yeah. and the trust that you build every day before that. Yeah. Um, one of the things that 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 my boss, uh, the director at, at UNC, talks about often is this idea of stepping up, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And how that is just it's not a thing that happens, right? Like there's no such thing as stepping up on the day. You have to step up at practice. Magic you have to step up. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's no magic bullet, yeah. right? You you step up every rep at, of every practice every day. That that's when you do it, and and when when the 16 meter PR shows up, or when the five meter PR shows up, or when, you know, 
whatever it is that shows up that the rest of the world that doesn't see the day-to-day shows up, you know what happened. Mm. You know what you know what happened. The athlete knows what happened, and the people in your support group know what happened, yeah. and it wasn't stepping up on the day. It was every day before that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's accumulation of things, right? You can't you you cannot hope when the championship comes that you're gonna do something incredible, right? Chances are one in a million that you will do that. Uh, but what you do in day to day, it's it's so important that you are doing right things at the right time. That you're doing the best that you can out of the situation, right? So through injuries, through school uh, trouble schedules that you have. Um, training troubles that you might have, you know, training in one spot, throwing in one spot, lifting in a different spot, overcoming that is, is, is so crucial and it accumulates. It's it's a growth, right? They always talk about um, this phenomenon with bamboo trees, right? Like you know, over time, after five years, like, like first year doesn't grow as much, second year not as much, and then fifth year, fourth, fifth year, whatever it is, it just grows like 30 feet in you know, a couple of weeks. Uh, but it's not because of that one day, it's because of those five years, right? Um, it's a, it's a good metaphor to look into that, um, but what what does keep you in coaching? Because you're you're graduated from Cal, you you're a master degree. What keeps you in, in this? You can do so many things, and I think I asked millennials because you're still fit in the millennium. You know, I, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna argue with that. I'm gonna argue with that because I have seen I have seen that um, you know Gen X. Mm. Ends in 1981. <laughs> um, I have seen that before, so okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna hang on as a as a Gen Xer. You're Gen Xer. Right. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna really put that out there. Um, and and if some somebody's got something to say about it, that's okay. okay. But I'm gonna identify as a Gen Xer. Gen Xer. All right. Well, um, <laughs> but do you? Yeah. What does what does it feel you like? You know, I think I think so. I I've I've got a, a little bit of a background in education. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up and in college and, and in grad school, you know, I, I wanted to be a high school English teacher. Mm. Um, I wanted to use that to become a high school administrator. And so much of that was because I had such a, such a wonderful experience in high school. I wanted to, to give that same experience yeah. back to, to, to high school kids, uh, preferably in Santa Clara yeah. where I grew up. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I worked in education for a while. Mm. Um, you know, I worked in, I worked in special ed, mm. um, at, at, at a high school, um, actually at a couple high schools. And I, I figured out pretty quickly that I wanted to be outside, but I also didn't want to be a PE teacher. Okay. Um, okay. And so the, the students that I worked with were incredible and, you know, obviously, you know, challenges with that and, and you know, a lot of fulfillment seeing, seeing the growth in those, mm-hmm. at, in, in those students. Um, but, but again, like I just, I really wanted to be outside more often. Yeah. Um, and, and so you know, as my as my throwing career was winding down in 2014, uh, I started applying to uh, to, to coaching jobs. Yeah. Um, and and so I, I figured out really early on um, that that it was just I loved it, right? Yeah. I absolutely loved it, and and for a lot of the same reasons that I wanted to become a teacher, become yeah. a teacher, right? Like it, it, so much of it is is an educational process, and and. And, and getting fulfillment from seeing the growth of the of the student athletes, not just in performance, but just yeah. as as a person, you know, yeah. seeing seeing them grow as a person and 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 come out the other side of it better than than yeah. what what they started at, yeah. um, and and seeing that is 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 incredibly fulfilling, um, and and also you know, being being able to 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 be passionate about something that 
that that yeah. is just is, is 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 so close to my heart, yeah. right? Um, I, I would say that you know some people ask like, oh, do you miss throwing? Do you miss competing? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. There's not one bone in my body that wants to throw the shot put again. But every bone in my body wants to see people PR and become better people. Yes. Right? Yes. Every bone in my body, every ounce of my being wants to see people, um, wants to see student athletes get better, get better, yeah. get better and, and throw further and, and become better humans and, and be, be big contributors yeah. to the world um, in, in whatever way that they can. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the, that's the driver, yeah. right? Like the, you know, like obviously, you know, both of us love to win and both of us hate to lose, yeah. Yeah. you know, and that's, that's a big part of it also. We're very yeah. competitive. Yeah. Um, but, but bigger picture, I, I just, I want to see people become better people. Yeah. How awesome was seeing that 16 meter PR? <clears throat> it, it was unreal. It was unreal. <laughs> so a little, a little background on yeah. that. Uh, Jannard Paul, um, was a student athlete at Southeastern. Before that, he was a student athlete, I believe, at Colby Community College in uh, in Kansas. Um, he's originally from Grenada, where he was on several national level teams. Mm. Uh, he was a national level cricket bowler. Wow. He was a national level soccer player. He was a national level volleyball player, and he was a national level track athlete. Okay. So, mm. as a track athlete, Jannard was was you know originally a jumper. So mm. he went. You know, 24, 24, 6, I think, off of off of grass in the long jump, and he went over fifty feet in the triple jump, mm. and I believe his high jump was like six eight or six ten, and so just incredibly gifted athlete. Yeah. Um, you know, amazing kinesthetic awareness, um, very powerful, um, fast enough, yeah. and and so determined to 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 not be great in and of himself. Like you know, just just great on his own and, and in his and in his events, but also really determined to be a really good teammate. Yeah. Right. Okay. And so there there was a year at Southeastern where Jannard's genetics started to kick in. He comes from kind of a bigger family. Okay. Um, and so he you know he started to okay. get started to mature and started to get, get muscular, frame, yeah. started to fill out. Mm. Um, and and my head coach Sean Brady, who's the uh, jumps and multis coach at Texas A and M now. Um, you know, we had a talk, and he, he well, we didn't really have a talk. He told me Jannard was going to yeah. be a javelin thrower. Okay, <laughs> you know, straight up, huh? yeah, and 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 that was a no brainer, yeah. right? Like with his with his athletic background and and having been a cricket bowler, it was it was kind of a natural fit. Yeah, okay. Um, and especially being an accomplished accomplished horizontal jumper and, and a cricket bowler, like I I don't I don't know how he hadn't done that before. Yeah, yeah. you know, okay. and and so we trained Jannard, and and he. I would say in 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 the first month that that he was a javelin thrower, he put on twenty pounds of muscle. Oh my god! Yeah. And and just started to grow. Yeah. Just started to grow and started to develop. And and the weight room was going up. And you know the learning was was high yeah. in the javelin. And he's just you know so determined to be a good team guy. He was a peacock. You gotta let him fly. You gotta let him fly, right? <laughs> and and so you know. We, we saw glimpses of it. We saw glimpses of it. And, and, and again, just the day-to-day, -day, stepping up day-to-day, -day, every rep, every day, yeah. working hard, you know, being focused, staying determined, um, whether or not the results had come yet. Yeah. And so going into the conference championship meet in his senior year, it was, it was really a convergence of a few things. Um, number one was it was Jannard's last conference meet. And, and, wow. and having, having the attitude he had about being a team player, yeah. um, 
that was really important to him. Mm-hmm. You know, when when we called him in, um, when when Coach Brady and I called him in to to talk about him switching to be a javelin thrower, how did he take it? Yeah, his his reaction was was incredible. He's like, okay, Coach, I, you know, I'll do I'll do wow. whatever you need yeah, me to do. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's, He's like, I just want to contribute. I just want to be a part of the team. Oh, man. He's like, is this going to make the team better? Yeah. Okay, I'll do it. That's it. You know, and he didn't have to. You yeah. know, he didn't have to. That was that was a really selfless act, yeah. um, and he didn't. There was no way he could have known that it was going to turn out the oh way it did. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so again, number one was was being able to close out his collegiate career, um, and that was a big, big emotional thing for him. Number two was he graduated that day. The commencement oh, was that day. So he missed the. No, no, the, he, he went. He so went so the conference championship was at Tad Gormley Stadium in New Orleans, and Hammond, Louisiana, is about an hour away. Oh my god! So we drove down. I mean, the guys run into the van with his cap and gown oh and his dress shoes on, just run into the van to jump on it so we could drive down and warm up to throw the javelin oh, at the conference man. championship. And and you know another part of that was was his parents came from Grenada for his his graduation. Yeah. That was the first time he'd seen him in three years. Oh, so man. big big emotion, big emotion, oh. right? And so they came down for the conference championship as well. Oh, and man. so Gennard was. I don't know, bottom third of the order in, in flight two of the javelin, flight two of two in the javelin, and um, a guy from oh, uh, from McNeese yeah. State. Who's what was he ranked coming in? Um, top 10, top eight. Oh, you know, I don't think he was in the top three. <laughs> and and so, you know, there's a there's a really talented javelin thrower at McNeese State right now who's in his in his last year. And, and this kid a few years ago came out and just smacked a 70-meter throw in round one, mm. right? And so everybody's on high alert now because, like, because this guy PR'd by yeah. a little bit and he took the lead in, in yeah. round one of flight two, right? And Gennard gets up, and, and I'll never forget it. I was standing in the back of the runway uh, taking video, and Gennard goes down the runway, finds the most incredible rhythm that anyone has ever yeah, seen, yeah. and left the javelin back for what seemed like 25 minutes. Uh-huh. God, while so his whole body turned under it, destro- oh yes, and 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 you could you could feel the power that he put into the runway with his block leg, oh. right? Like you could see that thing like a depth charge, just boom, right? God, and the javelin just shoots out, splitting through every <laughs> molecule of air. Oh my god! And and it just kept going. Yeah, it just yeah. kept going. And and Gennard probably he he was probably screaming for about a minute and a half after he left his end from the release. Ugh. Almost until they measured it, that is right? Awesome. Like just, just wilding out. It, just, yeah. wi- I am ashamed that I stopped the video so early. Oh, yeah, because <laughs> um, it was, it was incredible, and and they measured it, and I believe it was seventy seven, eighty two, it was seventy seven, eighty something, and. I, I walked up to the official and I'm like, "Excuse me, Mr. Bowman, um, mm-hmm. could you could you check that again? Confirm like that, that? seems that seems a little bit a little far, far yeah. <laughs> you know." And he's like, "No, that's what it said." He's like, "I read it three times, you know, seventy seven, eighty, yeah. and and oh my god, it, it just it ended the entire competition. Wow, ended the entire competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the the other part of that that's you know kind of the harder story mm. is our other javelin thrower." Colin Rowland, mm-hmm. who was the number one guy that will go into the meet. Number one guy on the descending order list was up next. Oh, he was up. Know? He was up next. And so naturally Colin tried to throw 107 yeah. meters. Yeah. yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Like just ripped into that thing as hard as he could. Yeah. And, and it, and it didn't go, Yeah, you yeah. know? And so the hard story that day was, 
was 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 Colin. Yeah. Because I think he finished fourth, and he was also a senior. Okay. Um, and, and so you know, not 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 bad looking at the the compiled results, mm-hmm. which is yeah. a really hard day yeah. for Colin and. And to Colin's credit, he was he was so supportive of Jannard. They're yeah. they're really good friends, and mm-hmm. and and had a really good training environment between the two mm-hmm. of them. Um, but just an unreal unreal yeah. performance for Jannard that day. I, the javelin th- the javelin world lit up. I mean, um, and you can you can probably speak yeah. to. I mean, oh, you're the we social media guru. We we're all talking about it. all the coaches. We're like, did you see the results? We're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. No, that's that's really special. Uh, I can't even imagine how you felt. I know one of the be- best things of coaching for me, like you said, is to see athletes grow, right? To, to PR. Every PR of, of theirs is like my own PR. So I can't even imagine how freaking awesome you were. Oh my out. God, it was incredible. <laughs> um, and, and and so so then it was you know it was a challenge to to come back from that, right? I mean, the, how do you we know? got regionals in two weeks, yeah, right? Yeah. We've got regionals in two weeks, and 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 so now he's going into the biggest meet he's ever been in yeah. a, as a collegiate. He's going into that meet, you know. Now, I mean, he went into the conference championship, you know, in the top one hundred in the region. Yeah. Now he's going into the the regional championship, that's, number two yeah, in the country, yeah. you know, and that's that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. That's a lot of pressure. After such an emotional peak, it's mm-hmm. so hard, so much hard yep. uh, to come back so early, right? Um, but that—that's—I that, mean—that story is incredible for so many, so many things. His parents came in town. He was graduating. It, enormous PR. Mm-hmm. Uh, such a Cinderella story. That's incredible. Yeah, it was great, and it, and it was all—it was all compound interest, yeah. right? Like it was all compound interest from the days prior. You know, from the one to one one year before, two years before, five years before, it was all compound interest. Yeah, and I, I like uh, I, I saw you and him at Hurricane Invitational. We had that mm-hmm. very strong win. Yep. And I remember the kid was like, "Oh, coach, I can't. This wind is terrible." And you were like, "Well, this is that's why it's called Hurricane Invitational. It's not a ocean breeze <laughs> Invitational, right?" And uh, you're like, "You got to go through these. You know, these things will mm-hmm. happen at the meets, right? So you got to take it as it is." And he was. He was very studious. Like he was listening to you. Um, he was learning. He was taking notes. He's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, okay. Like this is yep. what I have to go through, right? Like, okay, this is going to happen. Yeah, there, there are um, a few. He's willing to, to learn. Absolutely, and there, there are a few athletes in, in, in. You know, I, I hope we've all had them, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that really pay attention. I mean, there, there are athletes that pay attention and listen to the cues, but then there are the ones that really pay attention, yeah. and, and, and see the small stuff see the stuff that's that's not as clear in the coaching yeah. you know and they're they're able to they're able to figure that stuff out and yeah. and he was absolutely one of them yeah it's every coach's dream to have an athlete like that mm-hmm. um, who's taking it and then whose story ends up like that i love seeing uh, athletes throw big prs you don't see that every day right so, so it doesn't sure. happen and you got to appreciate those days when they do but like you said you most what you have to most appreciate is day-to-day, day-to-day battles. That's where the wins are won. And this is just, a, uh, I say, a cherry on the top. If it happens, Absolutely. if it doesn't, you still have this amazing product that you built. It doesn't mm-hmm. go to waste. Yeah. Yep. And, and it's an accumulation of small victories, right? Yeah. It's an accumulation of small victories. And and I think that the the, the really good ones, they they control what they can control. Okay. Right, like you, you control the, the you control the controllables, yeah, and yeah. and and you can't worry about the stuff you can't control. Yeah. Right, like you can't worry about the win that day. You can't yeah. worry the about or... the, the 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 runway. You can't because everybody's got the same yeah. runway. Yeah. Everybody might not have the same wind because it's a crapshoot. Yeah. Right, but 
goes on. Not not everybody's gonna have an ideal win. You're not gonna be the only one that has a bad win that day, you know. And and you can't control that, so why worry about it? Yeah, yeah. No, it's making the best out of what you have, right? Mm-hmm. So the the cars that you deal with, making the best out of them. Um, that's a, that's a secret to a good life, right? Just it's uh, so, how do you control uh, my whole life? You can be you can be born six eight or you know five eight. It's just a, a big lottery, right? Mm-hmm. You get the, the, these cards. But the the point is making the the secret of it is making the best out of situation that you have. Otherwise, like you say, we can spend all this time complaining about and as we do in throws sometimes. Oh, we don't have this, we don't have that, and, and so what, right? Like you're gonna spend mm-hmm. your whole year, your whole life complaining, or you're gonna take things that are great that people don't have that you have and just enjoy them. Like, Absolutely, get that Absolutely. Uh, perspective, right? Let's take a little break. <laughs> so, we'll continue. Are you gonna stay on the phone? Yeah, I'm gonna stay on the phone. Man. I'll be. All right, guys, that was the first part of this two-part series with Coach Amin Nikfar and myself. Hopefully, you got some insight into our coaching philosophy. Now, second part coming up is much more in detail, and like I said, you're gonna hear. A little bit about from Coach Nickvar's perspective and myself of what we are looking for in athletes that we are recruiting and what are some of the biggest schools out there looking for when recruiting throwers. So check it out and take some notes because they're going to be very valuable. And thank you guys for listening. If you know somebody who can benefit from this, obviously you want to send this to them. All right, take care.